Welcome to Office Hours Beyond the Lecture with me, Davis. Today, we will be interviewing Soroya Rowley. She is currently the Executive Assistant for the Department of Environmental and Ocean Sciences. She went to USD and graduated in 2009 with a major in theater arts. Currently, she's getting her Master's of Arts in Peace and Justice. During her time as a student at USD, she worked for Copley Library in Residential Life, in addition to singing in the Founders Chapel Choir and performing in numerous plays with the Theater Arts Department. She has served as the Patron Services Manager for the Signet Theater in Old Town and as a teaching artist for the Old Globe Community Voices Project. She was also a resident guest artist at Arizona State University. She worked with ASU's School of Film, Dance, and Theater to produce a theater piece in collaboration with ASU's School of Earth and Space Exploration based on the future of Mars research. Soroya is a co-founder of the community-based theater company called Circle Circle Dot Dot, whose mission is to tell true stories based on interviews with diverse communities. Thank you for being on Office Hours today. Thank you so much for having me. I've always dreamed of being on a podcast. What now would you say are your major passions? My major passion is community-based theater, mm -hmm. which is often confused with the term community theater, which is also a wonderful form of theater in which a group of people in a community get together on a volunteer basis to perform a piece that's already been written, something famous usually. Mm -hmm. For example, a good friend of mine just did Guys and Dolls at the Coronado Playhouse in Coronado, which is a great example of community theater, a group in the community getting together and, and making theater. Mm -hmm. But community-based theater is different. Community-based theater means that the artist and the community work together to tell the stories of that community. So community-based theater is always original, mm -hmm. and it usually has a social justice lens in terms of working with marginalized groups who aren't typically afforded the power and privilege to have their stories heard and empowering and amplifying their voices so that they can be heard. That's really cool. What made you start doing that in the first place? So I have a really amazing mentor named Evelyn Cruz, who is a professor here at the University of San Diego, and I call her my theater fairy godmother. She was my advisor when I was an undergrad, and when I first got to undergrad, I thought that I wanted to be an actress in a Shakespearean company, and I thought that would be the pinnacle of success as a theater maker. Evelyn taught me that theater can be so much more than just producing things that have already been created and that theater can empower so many diverse people to make change in our world. And so through taking her course, that really changed my perspective about what theater can be and should be. Mm -hmm. A defining moment would be we, when, we, when I took her course, Theater and Community, we visited a community called Door of Hope, which is an organization that serves women, young women under 18 who are pregnant or have a child, and we got to do a workshop with them in which they told us stories and we improvised them. And so that experience was my first taste at community-based theater, and I just fell in love, and it really changed my path. How would you say it changed your path? I started to realize the power that I had mm -hmm. and the privilege that I had as a white, cis, mostly straight person going to a university like USD mm. and that I should use that power for good and I should share it with people that that don't get the same opportunities as me. And so that was the big shift. I, I used to see myself, when I first came to USD, I saw myself as one of the lower class students at USD 
I had 100% financial need. I was on scholarship. I drove a beat-up Jeep that set off car alarms when I would drive through the parking structure. <laughs> and I looked around, and I saw all these people that had nice cars, and they looked amazing, and they had their roots and their nails done, and they dressed up. And I just felt like, oh, I must be such a low-class person. I hadn't thought that back in my high school days when everyone was kind of lower middle class and everyone was kind of equal in the community in that way. So coming to USD, I had this perspective like, oh, I'm low class and I'm poor and poor me. And I had that attitude. And then I started to learn about community-based theater and I started to be exposed to people who have been homeless, people who have dealt with drug addiction, people who have been victims of domestic violence, people who are refugees. I started to be exposed to different people that had had incredible struggles and overcome these really oppressive obstacles. And then I started to see myself differently and my place in the world differently. And it gave me so much passion and fulfillment to change my perspective and realize that I could be a part of making the world a better place through storytelling. That's really impactful. Yeah. That must have been a crazy shift for you, too. Yeah, and I'm so much happier now with this different perspective of realizing how much I have and how much I have to be grateful for and how much I have to share with others instead of a deficit view of, like, poor me, I'm not a rich USD girl like my <laughs> classmates. No, that makes sense. What, what do you think made you interested in theater in the first place when you were a kid or when you started coming to USD? I always loved to play pretend. My whole life, I've loved playing different characters, and in a lot of ways, I felt more comfortable being somebody else than being myself. Like, right now, I'm really nervous being on this podcast because I have to play myself and represent myself, mm -hmm. and nothing's pre-scripted. And so that's really scary for me. So I kind of started from a place of of fear and wanting to escape and be a different person. Mm -hmm. And then as I've grown, it's completely morphed into something different, more of exploring the human condition and exploring relationships and that humans are, we're social animals. We rely on communication and relationships to survive and to thrive. And the world is getting more and more populated and we're seeing the sickness in the world spread of of a lack of connection and a lack of empathy amongst people that are different. And so I really see storytelling and theater as my contribution to the world to help people be better together and to love each other and see each other's perspectives. Mm -hmm. Was that why you started opening um, Soko Soko Dot Dot? Yes. Uh, so my theater wife, Catherine <laughs> Haroff, I call her my theater wife because we did a show that was based off of the San Diego Derby Dolls. And when we did that show, we learned the term Derby Wife because uh, that's just a term girls will use in Derby for their main their main girl on the team is their Derby Wife, and they have each other's backs. So Katie, uh, she got her master's from Arizona State University, and then she moved to San Diego for an internship, and she realized that there wasn't any theater in San Diego that was doing this kind of work, working with diverse communities and helping them tell their stories. Most of the theater in San Diego was just your, typ your typical um, producing works that have already been produced on Broadway, for example, and then bringing them to San Diego, which is great. But nobody was doing original work about people in our community. And so she was inspired to 
start this company. And I got to meet Katie because we were both working for the Playwrights Project, which is another fantastic organization in San Diego that teaches playwriting mostly to elementary and high school students around San Diego. And we were both cast in a little staged reading production that was meant to be a workshop that could introduce this program to different schools or if they had already signed up to have Playwrights Project come. This was like a little preview for them. And the play was called If I Were Your Superhero, and it was written by one of their past students who was a young woman who babysat a little boy with autism. And I played the little boy with autism, and Katie played the babysitter. And so we got to know each other through this project, and that was community-based theater. And so we both had this love for this type of work, and she said, hey, would you want to start a theater company with me? And I said, heck yes. (laughs) And so you did. And so we did. And that was in 2009. It was the year I had graduated from here. So why did you decide to come back and and work at USD? So I did five years at Signet Theater as the patron services manager, and I really wanted to do more art making rather than facilitation, which was my role as the patron services manager. Katie had gotten us this opportunity to do a residency at Arizona State University, which you mentioned in the intro, Mm -hmm. because she's an alumni there and because they had been following our work and she applied and we got this really great opportunity to go live at ASU for a semester and teach a class and develop a play. So we went and did that. So I quit my job at Signet and then I just had it in my head that I was going to get all this work after that. This was going to be the launch pad for me to become a professional theater artist. And that didn't happen. When I got back... Katie, because she had a master's degree, was able to, um, and because she's just amazing and deserved it, take her experience from ASU and actually use that as a launch pad in her career. Now she works at the Old Globe, continuing her work in the Community Voices program. Whoa. But I don't have my master's degree. I'm working on it. (laughs) And so I had to find something else to do. And I just wasn't able to find any full-time work in something that I wanted to do. I had three part-time jobs, and I was really struggling. Mm -hmm. And so... A little bit out of desperation, I started looking at USD because I have connections here and I'm comfortable here and I really believe in the mission. Mm -hmm. And so I got a job in another department and then I ended up not doing too well in that department. So I transferred and applied for the job here at Environmental and Ocean Sciences. And it was such a gift. I, I thought I could enjoy this job. But it turns out that I love this job, and I look forward to coming to work every day. And it's because of the people that I get to work with and because of the, our mission, which is to, to teach the youth <laughs> <laughs> uh, what they can do to help our environment. Mm-hmm. And I've always had a passion for science as well as theater. When I was an undergrad, I got to take an environmental sciences class with uh, Dr. Kemp who I think is still teaching part-time here. And it was so much fun. We went to the tide pools. We went to Torrey Pines. We went to the desert. And I just fell in love with the ecology of San Diego. Mm. And I later learned that San Diego has the most biodiversity of any city in the continental United States. That's amazing. Yeah. What? (laughs) um, With my theater company, we did a project called Renegades that was in collaboration with a local biologist who's also a theater maker named Michael Nieto. Mm -hmm. And he works for an environmental consulting agency called Recon Environmental. And so Katie and he collaborated on writing a script, and it was titled Renegades, and it was about endangered species in San Diego. And it followed um, the cactus wren, Mm -hmm. who is an endangered species, but not on on the endangered species list for uh, the, the Endangered Species Act, which is the legislation that 
protects these animals, but only if they're on that list. Mm -hmm. And so it was all about learning about that and different endangered species in San Diego and what the politics are around getting a species on the list, the Endangered Species Act, to be protected and how it has a lot to do with how cute the animal is. And the poor little cactus wren is this boring little brown bird. <laughs> and so you follow the scientist and the bird simultaneously. The bird is looking for a new home for her family because it was destroyed by a wildfire. And the scientist is working to get the cactus wren on the Endangered Species Act list so that it can be protected from the wildfire. So you get to see the intersection of the, the humans and the animals. And it was really fun to be a part of. I got to play a cactus wren. I got to play a whale and um, a few other crazy creatures. <laughs> so I had this experience using theater to help scientists communicate their message. And that is a another one of my passions. So working in environmental and ocean sciences has been such a gift because I've learned so much about what science is and gotten to make these great connections with scientists. And so Dr. Boudrier and I are, have been talking about a project in collaboration with Monica Stuft in theater where we'll have a class of theater students and a class of environmental sciences students work together to create short plays based off of their learning in, in environmental issues. And it's really cool, too, because uh, science and social justice, especially environmental science, really goes hand in hand. Like, you can really get them to be super interdisciplinary like that because they're both about justice. Right, exactly. What's the same problem just from different angles? Yeah. And being at USD is such a gift because since we're small and since we're a liberal arts school, the focus... Especially lately with the new core and the advanced integration and the integration component of the core, there's been a lot more focus on interdisciplinary collaboration. And that's, I love that. That's my jam. Is <laughs> I love using theater to help other people tell their stories and communicate their message. Because I love scientists, but they haven't been the best at communicating their message. And they know that. And so uh, I'm just really happy to be in an environment where my theater and my love of science can come together and coexist. And not just coexist, but become better than the whole of its parts. Mm -hmm. You can be an interpreter instead of just one of the many parts. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think was a misconception about theater that you had when you went in, in the beginning? Mm. My big misconception in the beginning was that I needed to wait for somebody to give me an opportunity in order to do theater. When I wanted to be a Shakespearean actress, that was completely 100% dependent on me getting cast by somebody. I needed to be picked by somebody. And now I see theater as a way of life. It's happening no matter what. And I'm going to be creating theater regardless of if somebody gives me permission to do it. Mm. That's beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what was the last big project that you worked on in theater? In theater, it was um, the... The February before I started grad school, and I started grad school last fall, so this was just a year ago now, uh, we did San Diego I Love You, hashtag swipe right. San Diego I Love You is a site-specific play that we've done for seven years with Circle Circle Dot Dot every year around Valentine's Day. And what we mean by site-specific is that instead of it taking place in a theater where you pretend to be somewhere else, the scenes take place in the real world in that place where that thing would actually happen. So for example, in the most recent version, the first scene took place at Thorn Brewing, mm -hmm. which is in North Park on 32nd and uh, Thorn. And this play was about online dating. And we interviewed 
three of our close friends who have had a lot of experience with online dating, <laughs> and two of them happen to be bisexual. So we ended up really focusing on what the experience of a bisexual person is in online dating and in life in general. And we had two different tracks. We had a male and a female lead, but they went on the same dates. So the audience could see the play two times. It was only an hour long, so it would be two hours if you saw both versions. And you would get to see how even if the environment and one of the people and the lines are completely identical, how that gender of that person can completely change the context of the conversation. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, Sandy Girl, I Love You is one of my favorite projects, and I, I'm sad that we didn't get to do it this year. But because of grad school, it has just taken too much of my time, so I, we weren't able to make it happen this year, but maybe next year. What do you think for you, that project last year when it happened, how did that shift how you saw the gender in in dating? Yeah. Uh, I consider myself to be bisexual, but I've almost always dated men. And so I didn't really have enough understanding of the experiences of bisexual people. And I learned a lot about, about how they are not able to fit comfortably into people's expectations of them and how um, people are always telling my friend uh, that he doesn't understand himself. And, mm. and he's like, actually, I understand myself really well. And I've worked really hard to figure out that this is who I am. And I, and I just appreciated that more, especially for, say, a, a white man, which one of my, my friends is a white man. I think of that as being a privileged position, and I didn't realize how much sexuality can really uh, really make someone's experience a lot more difficult. Mm. Yeah. How is balancing USD life and theater life for you? It's really hard. I've always had to have a full-time job while doing theater, but doing grad school at the same time has just been a lot, and so I've had to make the sacrifice to put my theater work on the back burner. Although I have gotten the opportunity to teach a course, actually. My theater fairy godmother, Evelyn Cruz, gave me this amazing opportunity to teach her course, Theater and Community, which was the course that set me on this trajectory, and I've got to do that as part of my internship requirement for my grad program. Whoa. So I'm actually teaching this course right now, and we're going to have our final presentation of the scripts that the students write on May 16th at 7.30 in the Studio Theater. If you want to come, it's free. <laughs> we're working with an organization called Access, mm -hmm. which is right here in Linda Vista, and they serve youth, immigrants, and women who have been victims of domestic violence, and there's a lot of intersection in those three identities. And so we've gotten to work with some really amazing people from this organization and hear their stories. And now the students are translating those stories into short scripts. And we're working with the community to make sure that they feel well represented and that the, what we're telling is accurate. And so uh, the culmination of that will be on May 16th. Yeah, How so. is it for you doing that? Like being this professor now in a class that really inspired you. I love it. <laughs> I'm living my dream right now. And I hope to get to continue teaching. And after I get my master's degree, my dream is to become a full-time teacher at a JC. I got to attend a JC Cuyamaca College just for one semester when I was a high school student. And I'm just really passionate about working with diverse communities and people maybe that come from lower income families that um, that don't have the opportunity as often to be heard. Hmm. What were some of the challenges for you coming up through theater and coming up through your life? What were some of your biggest challenges to be where you are right now? 
most of my major challenges have been internal. We're born free, and then the rest of our lives, we're molded into the shape of what society wants us to be, and we're told to shut up and uh, look a certain way, act a certain way. And so I've really struggled a lot with imposter syndrome because I'm deconstructing all of these messages that have been placed onto me through society, through society's um, construction of my gender and my identity as a woman and as an artist. And so I'm still battling those internal voices every day, trying to work through the insecurity and stand up and take my place and say, yeah, here I am and I'm doing this and I'm proud of it and I'm confident and I'm not an imposter. I'm I'm here. I'm the real deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I have heard that from a lot of different professors that I've interviewed, that imposter syndrome is still a big thing mm -hmm. as you continue into grad school and becoming a professor do you find that getting your master's degree has that do you feel like an imposter in there too like how has that affected you in in that imposter syndrome yeah I'm I'm doing a lot better now than ever before it's always going to be a struggle and something that I have to work on mm -hmm. but definitely more than any other time in my life I feel like I'm in the right place and um, that I'm doing good work and I'm proud of that work and I'm confident That's beautiful. Thank, Thank you. Uh, why did you decide to go back and get your master's degree? I didn't think I'd be able to afford it, but USD has this amazing benefit called tuition remission that uh, I guess I knew about it, but it wasn't until I had been here for a couple years that I, I realized that was an option for me. And there was a visiting scholar who is a playwright named Catherine Filou. She's French. And <laughs> she was visiting the Croc School as a, a visiting artist affiliated professor and had a had an event at the Croc Theater and I just was really inspired by her work and since she was a theater artist and she was working with the Masters of Arts and Peace and Justice students I realized that there was a connection for me there and that I could take theater arts and integrate that into the programming of the Croc School so my focus in my degree is arts for peacemaking, arts for social justice, and they've been so wonderful and welcoming on that and allowing me to tailor all my projects with that lens. So it's been a really good fit. And thanks to tuition remission, it's actually possible. Yeah. I like to joke that I went into debt about $50,000 to go to USD for undergrad, but now that I'm going to get a master's degree and I'm getting you know, my bills paid by my job in <laughs> EOS, I like to joke that uh, after I get my master's degree, me and USD will be even. <laughs> It's true. Yeah. <laughs> What, um, so you started working at USD because you needed a day job. I need to survive. <laughs> That's why I came back, to be honest. <laughs> And lucky for me that it's become so much more than that. Yeah, what does it mean to you now? I just, I love my boss, Sarah Gray. She is such a great role model as a strong woman leader. She is really incredible to work with. She's truly a servant leader who really cares about the people that she works with and really believes in our mission. Mm -hmm. And she gives everything that she has to people. You can interrupt her anytime. And she's like, what? What do you need? I'll help you. And she's always there for students. She gives so much of her time for, for the students. And for example, one time I messed up and I was really upset about it. And she's like, no, it's okay. We're a team and I'm going to help you get out of this. And that just showed me that I was in the right place and that she was a really good boss and I want to keep working for her. Yeah. Do you think you'll stay here for a while? I think I'll stay here for at least another three or four years. Got to finish my degree. So. And then you can always go into 
Circle, 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 dot, dot. dot. <laughs> so can I tell you where the name came from? No. Uh, circle, circle, dot, dot is from a, children, a children's rhyme. Um, it's a cootie shot. So this concept of cooties that little children tell each other, you look cooties, ew. And usually it's uh, gender specific or some other reason why they're separating themselves from each other. Mm-hmm. But cooties are a way of saying, no, get away from me. I don't like you. You're different. And the cootie shot, circle, circle, dot, dot, now you have your cootie shot, is supposed to inoculate you from those cooties. And so we as circle, circle, dot, dot are like the inoculation of (laughs) people being afraid of each other and the fear of what is different and helping people see the similarities in themselves with others. And so they won't feel like they're going to get cooties. They'll be inoculated. That is such a good name. (laughs) That's such a good story. Katie made that name. She was brilliant. Um, have you ever changed your focus? Have you ever not wanted to go into theater? Has no, I wanted to do theater my whole life. No. The only change was the type of theater that I wanted to do because mm-hmm. I had thought that I wanted to do your classic Shakespearean or other pre-produced theater, but now I'm 100% invested in doing community-based theater, original stories, and, and really seeking out those perspectives that aren't heard enough. Mm-hmm. Since you have so many things going on, what does your typical day look like? My typical day is I get up around 7, my alarm goes off, and then I hit snooze two or three times. (laughs) (laughs) And then I roll out of bed, and I put on black jeans and a flannel because (laughs) I decided a couple years ago to just wear the same thing every day so that I didn't have to make a decision in the morning when I'm not feeling it because I would stand in front of my closet for 20 minutes, and then I would be late. (laughs) So now I just wear the same thing every day. And... um, then I go to work, and I make some coffee, and I read a lot of emails, and I work in the EOS office usually until 5, and then I have class, and I take two classes usually, so I twi- twice a week I'll go to class, and then um, if I can, I'll go home and do like an hour of reading or homework, and then I'll pass out around 11. And then you wake up at 7 a.m. Yeah. And <laughs> you <laughs> but sleep is so important. Sleep has been made all the difference for me in my stressful full life. If I can get at least eight hours, sometimes nine, I can handle anything. I think that's the most important thing because then your brain, like, mm-hmm. it just functions better. Yeah. yeah. I'd rather be really on it for 16 hours than sort of on it for any more than that. <laughs> what is your advice for somebody who would want to go into theater? The advice that I was told, and I think it's really clever, is... Um, don't do theater unless you can't do anything else, meaning nothing else will fulfill you. If there is any other thing that you will feel fulfilled doing, do it. Do it. <laughs> because theater is not a career. It's a calling. It's a way of life. It's not something you should do to make money or even pay your bills. It's something you do because you just can't help yourself. Thank you for being on the show today. It's been my pleasure. Um, thank you for listening to Office Hours Beyond the Lecture with Savoyo Bowley. Please make sure to share this podcast with your friends so they can dig deep into current research on campus, career pathways after college, and the lives and stories of people, including their mistakes, misconceptions, and inspiring moments. Again, thanks for tuning in, and see you in the next episode. Mm-hmm.